This is the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast, episode 28, interviews from the Chelsea Flower Show and gardening jobs and plants of interest for July. Plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs. Hello and welcome to the Plant Advice Gardening Podcast with me, Richard Farrer. And me, Sue Mack. This is the podcast to help you get the very best out of your garden with our regular features such as jobs to do in the garden and plants of note for this time of year. Coming up. Coming up in this episode, we have a few more interviews that we did at this year's Chelsea Flower Show. One with Andy McIndoe. He was from Hillier's Nurseries. They always have the premier spot right in the centre of the Grand Marquis. They won gold. We spoke to Sean Murray. He won the RHS Amateur Chelsea Gardening Competition. And Camellia Binzal, who did the Beauty of Islam Garden. Our plant of the month for July is Echinacea Hot Summer, a cone flower. We have jobs to do in the garden and the vegetable garden and forthcoming garden and flower shows for July. Well, we are into July soup, but you wouldn't really think it with the British weather at the moment, would you? No, it's been terrible. We've had a not a brilliant June. It hasn't been very wet, has it? No, not at all. We've hardly had any rain. But the weather hasn't been particularly good no. for this time of year, which normally June is the first month of summer for us. Yeah, it's quite interesting because I do think the gardens are blossoming, but on the whole, the weather's not really warm. Yeah, your hanging baskets, one or two of them you think are struggling a little bit. They haven't had the sunshine, have they? Nope, they haven't at all had the sunshine. Although the weather temperature-wise has been pushing 20 degrees most days. The problem is it's the morning and the evenings it really cools down. Yeah, not barbecue weather, is it? No, not at all. I mean, in the mornings it's quite brisk. Sort of, It starts warming up about 2 and then by 4 or 5, it's getting chilly again. So yeah. the garden's just... It's not holding it's the temperature, just, is yeah. it? But like I said, our beds are looking lovely. But having said that, the beds, the borders are really full, aren't they? Mm. Full of flower. And this time of year, June, July, they are the best months. By the time you get to August, the garden does tail off a little bit. So we're kind of halfway through oh, the, well, exactly. the big season, aren't we, for all well, the flowers? and Yes, we've even passed the longest day now. We have. It's downhill from here, isn't it? The nights are closing in, although it's going to take a little while before you really notice that effect. Yeah, for sure. But we are past it now, so we know it is downhill. <gasps> <laughs> but we've got a few more plants. After seeing Chris Beardshaw's garden at Chelsea Flower Show, we came back with three camassias we got from the garden centre. And because they're spring flowering plants, they were gone past the best and we got them for £2 each, didn't we? We did indeed. It was a bargain. And you got some verbascum. Yes. Oh, they were also a bit past, so we got a bit of reduction on, on those. And then we got... We got the Solomon seal that we got when we went to RHS Wesley, didn't we? Yes, and that's gone in now. Um, I think that's also past its best, isn't it? That's a spring sort of one, isn't it? Uh, to be honest, I don't know. I would have to check up. That's not one I'm completely familiar with. And you also got a GM, which you saw in again in Chris Beardshaw's garden, a nice little orange one. Yes, and that one's actually, maybe it is a, a spring-summer plant because it's really growing and I'm getting more flowers on that one. 
Oh, we're hoping nice. to propagate from that one, aren't we? To get yes. a few more dotted around yes, the garden. Yes, because I do like the orange and the Splashes garden. Splashes of colour here mm. and there. We're learning a little bit more, I think, about where we plant things and how many we have. Because in the past, we always just bought one of each because, well, plants well, are expensive a in a garden well, centre. exactly. But if you can get them in a garden centre when they've just gone past the best, they like to sell plants which are in full flower, don't they? And I think that is the way it does work because, you know, you go around, you're looking at people's gardens this time of the year and you go, oh, that's nice, and then you want to go and buy it. And you want to put it in and you want it to look exactly. good straight away. Yeah. But if you can get something just past its best, you get, get a settled, lot more for your money. Year, and then next year, yeah. bang, yeah. So hopefully our camasias will look wonderful next year. Yes. I've taken some pictures, though, where we've put them all because we do forget, don't we? And then next Absolutely year comes we and do. we think, Later on, we think, where's that gone? <laughs> Unfortunately, it hasn't made it through the winter because of our clay soil. And we had an oryngium, beautiful oryngium, which last year didn't really come up in too much. But this year it's come back again, hasn't it? Well, I think because last year it was dwarfed by the delphinium. And we made sure it wasn't this year. And it's really, it's going to absolutely make a stunning show. Yeah, when it really turns blue, that foliage is amazing, isn't it? And a bright summer's we'll day. We'll have to take a picture and put it on the website. <laughs> yes, indeed. And talking of things which look good on a bright summer's day, we spoke to Camelia Binzal. She was a garden designer at Chelsea Flower Show this year. She designed uh, the Beauty of Islam Garden, which was full of white marble, wasn't it? Unfortunately, the day we were there, it really couldn't do its best. But no. you can imagine that would hurt your eyes on a bright, sunny day. There was so much marble. Well, as we were leaving, the sun did come out a bit and we got a glimpse of what it could look like, didn't we? We did, yeah. A and, brief and, and glimpse. And I did like that garden. I thought it was stunning. It was a stunning garden. Anyway, this is what Camellia had to say to us. So, Camellia, you've got a garden here which I think will probably shine best in the sun. Yes. And it's not the Chelsea weather we've got today, unfortunately. What's your inspiration? Really, it was my opportunity to shine a positive light on Islam and Arabic culture. And so, for me, this is really a contemporary Islamic garden. And I wanted to maintain those principles of Islamic garden design, so the light and shade, the multifunction, the water that feeds the garden, and the plants that are also not only edible but beautiful as well. So really, it was about sharing all the positive aspects with the public and a message that there are similarities in values and to celebrate those. This is not a desert garden, though, really, no, is it? No, it's not. This is the oasis. This is the Islamic garden that is the sanctuary away from the extreme environment that was around. It so. is very contemporary. There's not much colour. You've gone for very muted palettes, the yes. greens with little accents of white. Yes. I wanted it to be contemporary, and I wanted people to see a different version of an Islamic garden. So although I've maintained those principles, I gave it that modern twist. So you've got the stainless steel, brushed stainless steel. You've got the micro cement the silk with the lovely shimmer with the quartz yeah. in it. We don't get the best in that today, though, do no, we? No, unfortunately. <laughs> and then the white marble as well, yes. How long has this taken in the planning then? Since July. July is when I started the design. August, I submitted it. And then within a month, I knew I was going to be here. <laughs> And that's when I got really nervous. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah. And it's just been great planning from my team from the outdoor room. And how has it been received by people? By the public. It? It's actually been so positive and I couldn't have asked for more because that's why I'm here. So that's achieved the result it's you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly what I wanted to do. So I'm it really happy. It would be interesting to see when the public come in and they start viewing it, what their feedback is yeah. on it. 
and hopefully better sunshine as well. Yes, please. <laughs> well, I wish you all the best. It is a lovely garden. I wish we could have seen it in the sun. Thank you. Thank you. She did exceptionally well. She got a silver gilt, and I think it was a, a lovely garden. Oh, very nice. soft colours, really. It was more just sort of greens and whites, but it all fitted very well together, didn't it? Well, she did what I suppose she was out to do, was create a garden in, I think it was Dubai, wasn't it? Yeah, Arab Emirates, somewhere like yes. out that area. So it yeah. had that cold sort of... Well, it had the cold marble, Yes. the white from the, the marble, green, which I suppose green. you need is a bit of a cooling cool, effect yeah. because of the environment you're in. It is like a bit of an oasis, isn't it? A shelter from the harsh winds, the warm winds and the cool marble. Yeah, yeah it was lovely. It was very nice, wasn't it? Excellent. And another gentleman we spoke to at Chelsea this year was Sean Murray, but this is his first time ever designing at Chelsea, and he's an amateur gardener. Now, he originally, I think, is a nurse, wasn't he? That's right. And he entered the BBC competition for amateur gardeners to get a chance to design a show garden at Chelsea. He won that competition, and he designed a show garden for the Greening Grey Britain campaign. So his idea was to design a front garden to show that a front garden doesn't have to be boring place to park your car it can be a little bit more exciting yeah Yeah. he used an awful lot of slate which was free draining because they do talk about water runoff nowadays because we pave our gardens but interspersed with lots of different plants and a sunken area and water feature i think it was really nice for a front garden it was and it is true britain does tend to pave the gardens in the front for car parking yeah very much so and if we can break away from that do something a little bit different Why not? It doesn't take much to do. But Sean, he was incredibly enthusiastic and he couldn't really believe he was there, could he? No. A lovely gentleman. Really nice man and well-deserved winner. Absolutely. So this is what Sean had to say to us. Sean. Hello. Congratulations on being here. Thank you. Thanks. This must be like a dream come true. It is. I'm a bit in a dream state, really, to think that I'm here on Main Avenue. And I think I said on one of those programmes that I'd spent a lifetime wondering what it would be like to be behind the rope. And on, here, instead and of here. on the other side. Yes, yes. And how does it feel? It feels amazing, yes. I bet it should it's, do, yeah. Uh, you should be really proud of what you've achieved. I can't believe that on the 1st of May this was really just a piece of turf and what team and myself have created in the last two and a half weeks. And how do you go about choosing plants then for something like this? I think for me, coming from an industrial background with lots of kind of rust and... Uh, industrial architecture around me as a child um, I kind of constantly go back to that as a reference and from that I kind of take the inspiration for the colour palette so I know that greens and this burgundy and this lime and this pale yellow looks fantastic next to black and the rust so that's kind of how I built it up there's always like a cornerstone to the idea and then I just layer the plants in on top of that and have you brought your favourite plants in from, uh, yes, from gardening? My, have they crept in? Yeah, or? my favourite plant, and I have lots of it in my garden at home, is that euphorbia there, that beautiful lime yeah. green euphorbia robbii. That goes with me everywhere, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's a bit of a... A, a kind signature. Of a, a signature. <laughs> Somebody came around the corner and said, this has to be Sean's garden, it's got his signature, and to think that I've only done those four competition gardens That's and this, and to think that I have a signature is hugely complimentary. It, it, yeah, massively so, because every garden designer does have their own sort of character. Yes. So uh, to be recognised straight away must be... uh, Maybe mine's rusted tins, (laughs) the bean tins. Well, we all bring things from our past, don't we? And that shapes where we're going. Yeah, I think the past and that narrative of where you've been and where you're going and that heritage thing, I think, is incredibly important. And how have you found going through the process with a garden competition 
to end up being here? Has it been really difficult, really hard? The garden competition was physically and psychologically very tough to build a garden. And they said we had four deers, but realistically you had two and a half deers by the time they filmed you and took you off to the nursery. So two and a half deers to build a garden, even just six by four metres, to have that level of detail in it was really tough. But what a fantastic apprenticeship in preparation for this because... uh, It's a bit of a forced apprenticeship though, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, but (laughs) when you had your eye on have a few more years yes but when you have your eye on that prize uh, yeah. who wouldn't so the question is where do you go from here well I'm, I'm hoping to la- use this to launch a successful so you would garden like to carry on in garden design yeah. I mean you know to have had a fantastic career as a nurse and you know I may get the second bite of the cherry and do something yeah. that I really enjoy for the second half of my working life would be uh, yes phenomenal well, I know you're not being judged for an RHS medal on this, but I'm sure the public will be judging you with their appreciation. And I really hope you do succeed in your future career. Thank you. And you should do, because this is lovely. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. I appreciate that. Good luck for the future. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank Thanks. you very much. Thank you. Now, Sean didn't actually get a medal because his garden wasn't judged. But I think just to be there and to see the appreciation from the public, you couldn't ask for anything more, could you? No. And I think he's, he he's got get, his prize. But he did get an award of some sort. Remember at the end? Yes, so. I can't remember what it was now. We did see it on TV, yeah, didn't we? he wasn't we? actually yeah. judged, but he did get some recognition, some for, recognition his yeah. for the garden. Well, he wants to continue a career in horticultural and garden design, and I hope he does. Judged by what he's done so far, I think he should have a good second career ahead of him. Definitely. Now, moving indoors to the Grand Marquis, we spoke to Andy McIndoe, who was from Hillier's. They've exhibited for over 100 years. Not Andy himself, he's not that old. (laughs) (laughs) But they have the pride of place right in the centre, around the centre obelisk. And their stand is always amazing. It's a riot of colour, featuring a lot of rhododendrons and azaleas. Yes, always. Always. (laughs) But then I think the nursery is in a very high area for... They come from Hampshire, don't they, down south? And we're we're hoping to visit them because our friend's 50th birthday later on this year, they are having it at Hillier's Garden. So we're looking forward to that, to actually see the gardens in place and their arboretum. Yes, definitely. But Andy was very enthusiastic, wasn't he? He was. (laughs) Lovely chap. We we tend to see him on TV as well when the BBC interview him. But we did get a, a brief moment in his hectic, busy day and he had a few words to share with us. Hello Andy. Hi. You have got the centre of the Grand Pavilion, Great Pavilion, around the obelisk. You always get this spot. How many years have you had this spot? Well, we've had this since 2004. It's always a a spectacular stand you have. How many years have Hilliers exhibited at Chelsea? Well, it, it would be probably now 100 years, because we weren't here for the first couple of years of the show. So I think probably... Since about 1915, so I think... Now, you haven't been at all of those, have no, you? No, <laughs> I haven't, and I'd like to point out that actually last year was our 69th consecutive goal. And you're going for 70. Which is world record, so we are going for I do hope you get it. That would be some achievement, wouldn't well, it? Well, it would, and I mean, it, it's funny thing is that actually when you're building it, it's never the sort of focus... On your, you know, what you're focused on is getting the thing constructed yeah. and getting all of the plants in. Because we only have four days, really, to do the planting. How many different plants have you got it's here? about 4,000 plants. 4,000. 4,000 plants. The biggest trees are in 1,000-litre containers, so it's quite a logistical effort to make this all happen. 
you know that is your whole focus but then again I think when you when you finish it you realize how important it is to the whole team to actually get that gold medal. Oh yeah, it's a team effort. It is actually entirely a team effort and I you know there's so many people that contribute you know, we've got Jill who does all of the administration and the hotel bookings and the passes and then comes in stages. Ricky, who does all of the show plants, you know, he prepares all of this stuff for the how, show. How do you choose which plants you're going to bring or which species and cultivars? Because well, you must have a lot you don't bring. And We have, I mean, obviously, you know, the palette of plant material you're working with is essentially quite similar year on year because it's things which look good at this time of the year that they perform at about this time so we can cold store a bit we can coax things a little bit but generally they've got to be performing now and they've got to last for the duration of the The show show, and if you ask me what one big change here is in the years of Chelsea that I've been involved is if you went back I'm afraid nearly 40 years I've been actually here as part of the show then in the early days it didn't matter later in the week you know Tuesday was the very important day Wednesday was quite important you stopped watering the exhibit on Wednesday night so that it was lighter to load on Friday whereas (laughs) now Saturday is just as important as it is today and this has got to stay looking good we've got to keep it in peak condition so you choose a lot of the plants which will stand the ones that are the enduring that's also quite a good test in what actually works in gardens. The gardens, yes, yeah. Yeah, aren't you based down Southampton Way? Yes, we're based in Hampshire. Hillier started in Winchester in 1864. So we're very much in that sort of central Hampshire area. The plants are all prepared there. Some of them, like the rhododendrons and azaleas, are grown by a partner nursery up in Robin Hood country. And then they come down to Hampshire for their final preparation. But generally, yes, most of the they all come up on about 16 lorries from the south. Well, we are hoping to visit Hilliers, actually, in, in your part of the country, because our friends in July, uh, our friends got the 50th party at um, your arboretum. Oh, right, excellent. So we're, we'll be yeah. coming down and hope to have a visit and a good look round. That's a good time of the year to actually visit, because, of course, at that time of the year we've got the new centenary border which has been remodelled and planted if you like it's a new facet to the gardens because it's very focused on perennials, grasses and summer colour so although perhaps we're best known for our magnolias and our azaleas and rhododendrons there is lots of interest in midsummer. Yeah your rhododendrons really do feature well here on your stand don't they? Yeah I mean obviously you know rhododendrons are the flowers of this time of the year and they do provide that essential colour. I always like to think these are very much the sort of paints that we work with. These actually add that colour and people crave colour, don't they? Yeah, yeah, the zing. Yeah, they like to see those colours. Well, Andy, I do hope you get 70 gold medals. That will be some feat. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you very much. Thank you ever so much. Not at all. What a lovely gentleman. He was really sweet. <laughs> Very enthusiastic. With always quite floral shirts as well. He's sort of, yeah, you can't, you can't see him for all the flowers. No, if he stands still, he'll merge into the background.
Now our plant of the month for July is Echinacea hot summer. Some people wouldn't know this as a cone flower. It does look a bit like a cone, although to me it reminds me a bit of a shuttlecock from badminton. Yes. Yeah, well you've got the top and then the feathers yeah. coming down like the petals. And actually Echinacea comes from the Greek word echinos, meaning hedgehog, which is in reference to the spiny centre cone of the flowers in the genus. And when you look at it close up, it really does look like a spiky centre. Now this is a fully hardy perennial. It has plant breeder rights. It means it's like a copyright for plants. So technically you can't go propagating this and selling it on yourself. You have to buy the plants. The growth rate is an average growth rate and it grows up to one meter tall with a 40 centimeter spread. So it's a, quite a tall plant popping up through the borders with a beautiful flower on the top. It prefers full sun, but it can tolerate a little shade. Soil wise, it grows well on most soils except extremely dry or wet soils the flowers are the big part of this plant it has a single fragrant flower with narrow petals very much like a daisy sort of shape around an orange brown cone the flowers start off a sort of golden yellow orange turning to a rich red as they mature from june to september which means on the same plant you can have lots of variation color therefore it looks a bit more interest from the yellows all the way through to reds. So if you plant a few of these in a the border, it almost looks like you've got lots of different plants together as opposed to just one plant. Foliage, they have medium green narrow ovate leaves and they are excellent for cut flowers. RHS have given this the Perfect for Pollinators Award, which means it's a great plant for the bees. And maintenance-wise, it's fairly easy. Cut the stems back as the flowers begin to die off to encourage more flowers and lift and divide congested plants in spring or autumn. We haven't got any echinaceas, have we, Sue? No, but I must admit, whenever we go around all the stately homes, they always seem to use them in their borders. And they do. They make a big statement because they're very tall and they yeah. pop up against other things. Now, you've been planting your orange GMs that we spoke about earlier. I think this could complement those. Mm, they're not going to fit anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's space. <laughs> oh, we always have this problem, don't we? I think we need <laughs> to put some pictures up of our garden on Facebook because we talk about our garden so we do, often yes. that people must try and visualise what it looks like. So I think we need to put some up so people can know what we're talking about. Right, we will do that. There will be links to our Facebook page from the show notes for this episode, which you can get at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 28. That takes you to the show notes on our website. There will be links from there taking you to our Facebook page, but you can get at that directly, facebook.com slash plantadvice. And as Sue says, we will put some photos up and you can see what our back gardening is like and then spot a space for us to put a new plant in. <laughs> or tell us something we should be taking out to swap. It's going to have to be there, isn't it? A juggle. <laughs> it is going to have to be there. But it morphs over the years and it does change. Well, I've looked back from some of the photos. It's completely different oh. from five or ten years ago. Yeah. Well, no less beautiful, though. No. In fact, I think in some ways more so. It's turned now more into a mixed herbaceous border definitely. where before had more big shrubs yes. and trees and things. Definitely. I think it is more... Cottage English sort of garden. Yes. Yeah. And that's what we like. So it that's appeals what we've to tried us, to yeah. create. And I think we've definitely achieved that. Yeah. And other people, you at home, you might have a different feel. You want to achieve a different look. Well, we're all different. We've all got different things that make us tick. We like this look, don't we? Which is probably why we like Chris Beardshaw's gardens. Definitely. It's my favourite look. 
Now, jobs to do in the garden. It is a busy time at this time of year, as you know, Sue, don't you? Yes. <laughs> Watering, mowing, deadheading, dead all the regular yes, stuff. Everything, especially at the moment because we're just not getting any rain. And no. the ball, even my water butts are running dry regularly because we're just not getting rain to no. keep it going. It doesn't normally take much water to top them up, but no, it doesn't. you're not getting any but water. It's not going to happen, is it? I think... Have we had rain twice last month? In twice? June? Yeah, um, I don't know. Yeah, possibly. And even so, not a heavy downpour. No, not at all. No. Well, I shouldn't wish um, rain in July, should I? Cause we, not we, really. We, yeah. we want some nice warm weather to have lots of barbecues. <laughs> we do, yeah. But a little bit of rain perhaps at night in the time. Evenings, yes. yes. <laughs> like the thunderstorms. Not in the that evenings. we're being picky at all. <laughs> no. no. <gasps> So things you can be doing in your garden in July. You can be lifting and dividing irises. They will have faded now. Irises have not been split for a few years, can become a bit tired and lose their vigour. And this can affect their flowering performance. And that's what you want, the flowers. So dig the clumps up, select the best, plumpest rhizomes and replant them with a good space between having added a bit of well-rotted compost and manure to the soil beforehand help feed them. Finally, cut back the tall foliage by about half because the rhizomes need to be planted on the surface but they need to reroot. and if you've got too much leaves exposed it acts like a sail and the wind can blow them over. So that's why you're cutting the foliage back a little bit. Also, it reduces a bit of evaporation from the leaf surface means they can survive on the meagre water they're getting at this time of year. You can also be collecting seed from some of your plants. Save and store seed of your favourite aquilegia and primulas, for example. They will set themselves around the garden, but if you collect the seed beforehand, you've got a bit of a say as to where you want them to colonise. And so as soon as the seed is ripe. You can also be lifting and storing spring bulbs, such as daffodils and tulips. You don't have to do this every year, but it's a good routine to get into if you want to create more spring colour around your garden next year. So dig up the bulbs, remove any young bulbs growing on the sides of the larger ones, and store them all for replanting in the autumn. And discard any diseased or unhealthy-looking bulbs. You don't want those contaminating the rest of your stock. July is also a good time to trim and shape hedges. If you've left this job tool now well done, it gives the garden birds a chance to raise their young, which is good and very ecologically sound of you. By the middle of July, the risk of the birds being in the hedges is pretty much over, but a good trick is just give the hedge a bit of a shake. So if there's a bird in there, you might spook it and don't cut the hedge then. If you're going on holiday, which many of you are, we're planning on going away for a few weeks, plan how you're going to keep your garden watered whilst you're away, particularly... Hanging baskets. Yes, you've got lots of hanging baskets. You love your hanging baskets. And we've got a couple of friends which have volunteered to help. Our good friends in the village, Gary and Elizabeth, and another friend, Julie. You're going to do a rotor for them, aren't you, Sue? I am. <laughs> Elizabeth wanted us to take some of them down to her house because she's got the brackets, but I just think it's going to be a mission trying to transport well, these Well, A, things. they're heavy, and when they're full of water as well, they're particularly heavy. But either. all the plants are growing underneath, so you can't put them on, say, in the back of the boot of the car. No. That will damage the plants. So we thought of putting a broom handle over two shoulders and going down like you're carrying a suckling pig or something. I know. 
but I think we've given up on that idea and just said, if you wouldn't mind, walk up and... Water them. Yes, so that's our plan. I'm sure you'll have some plans and some friends which can help you as well because you do spend an awful lot of money on your plants and you don't want to see them all dead and wilted when you get back from your holidays. Cutting delphiniums to the ground now after flowering may encourage a second flush of flowers. We tried this last year with our delphiniums. We tried cutting one halfway back and the other one right down to the base. Some people recommend one way or the other. And neither of them flowered again, did they? Well, we lost the one totally. And the other one is going to flower now. Yeah, it's a, really a little late, late. But like we say, we haven't and had much sun. And it's not looking and... happy, is it? But then look at what happened to our ringium. He disappeared for a year. And we had an aquilegia, beautiful aquilegia we bought. He disappeared for two years and then decided to come up again. I know. That was a nice surprise. It was. Yeah, it doesn't always happen that way, but hey-ho. If some of your flowers are flopping over as they're getting a bit tall now, tie them to some stakes. As Sue says earlier, deadheading, that's a regular thing on a daily basis, isn't it? Yeah. Encourages more flowers and removes the dead ones so they don't look as ugly. Regular lawn mowing. And if it is a bit dry, raise the height of the cutters just to give the lawn a a little bit of a chance to survive and trim the border edges. Regularly spray roses against green fly and black spot. We've been doing this and we seem to have done better this year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Black spot is nowhere near as bad as previous years. So prevention is much better than cure, isn't it? Yes. And for similar reasons, damp down a greenhouse path regularly to create a humid atmosphere. This helps prevent pests such as red spider mite that don't like the humidity. Water and feed containers and hanging baskets regularly. We talked about the watering, but feeding as well is important, isn't it? Once a week Once you do that. Once a week, yeah, tomato feed. Which is high in potassium, which feeds the flowers. Cut flowers now to dry for winter arrangements, like the echinacea we talked about. Hang them upside down in an airy place. Such suitable plants can include bergamots, lavender and teasel. And prevent aphid damage by rubbing infestations off the plants or spraying. We've had aphids attacking some of our achilleas and ascabias, haven't we? Yes, and I, I am... Spraying them, aren't you? I it's, am um, spraying them. And you've rubbed a few off as well, but it's a... Uh, They do come in massive colonies Mm. when they get going. Horrible little things. And this year we've also tried some nematodes for our slugs, haven't we? We have. We bought a packet online. It cost us about £10. And apparently there's 12 million nematodes in it. I don't quite know how they counted them all. But you put them in a watering can, water them on the ground, and it should do for about six weeks and these attack the slugs from the inside. It's an ecological way of doing it, so if a hedgehog then eats the slug afterwards, hedgehogs aren't going to get poisoned, and the hedgehog population is declining, so we do want to look after them, don't we? Oh, yes, definitely. We've had a few so hedgehogs in the, garden, the garden in the past, but, yeah, beautiful little creatures. And also net vulnerable crops to prevent caterpillar damage or spray them to kill off the caterpillars. In the vegetable garden, you can sow seeds outside of lettuce, radish, carrots, turnips, beetroot, spinach, Swiss chard, spring cabbage, kohlrabi, that sounds like a character from Star Wars to me, fennel and chicory. 
and harvest this is the best thing about this time of year isn't it you get to eat what you've planted so you can be harvesting rhubarb peas french beans tomatoes onions radish carrots turnips beetroot spinach cauliflowers cabbages lettuce globe artichokes broad beans runner beans garlic shallots marrows courgettes cucumbers potatoes calabrese broccoli and swiss chard we've been harvesting a few things we've had lettuce we've had radish our courgettes aren't doing much at the moment but it hasn't been too warm and sunny hopefully they'll catch up by the end of july you've taken one garlic out but he wasn't too well formed was was it well he was well formed but yeah it was small yeah we need to give a little bit more time and we've been having nice new potatoes with our salads it's delicious actually isn't it new potatoes straight from the garden radish from the garden salad from the garden fantastic spinach yeah We've got quite a crop, really, and, of course, all our herbs. If you've had uh, leeks, now is a good time to transplant them when they're pencil thick. And don't forget to water crops when required in dry weather, which we have been having a bit of lately. Who knows what we're going to get in the rest of July, though. Forthcoming garden forthcoming garden and flower shows for july from the 30th of june which is just past to the 5th of july that's a few days left the rhs hampton court palace flower show 2015 and it's celebrating its 25th year Oh, that'll be interesting then. Be interesting to see what's there. We are going to that. So by the time you listen to this episode, will have been. Yes. Yes, but we won't be able to report back until next month's episode. So look forward to that. We're looking forward to it. And from the 22nd to the 26th of July is the RHS Tatton Park Flower Show, which is up north here in the UK in Cheshire. And that's always a nice one. A different feel again. They've got the council flower beds, oh, which is I a unique feature. flower beds. Yeah, carpet bedding, a, a oh, kind lovely. of Victorian sort of style, but beautiful. You see them a lot in councils. Yes. Our and local of course council my favourite because they're all bedding plants. <laughs> you do love your bedding plants and I you do. seem to know those a lot better than I, I do. I know all my bedding plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're the bedding plant queen. <laughs> so that is about it for this episode July is a fantastic month in the garden, weather permitting, it should be hopefully. The borders look absolutely amazing. You can get the show notes and links from this episode on our website at plantadvice.co.uk slash episode 28. If you found this podcast on our website and you'd like to subscribe on iTunes so you get it straight to your iPod or your phone, you can subscribe on iTunes. Just search for Plant Advice and it should pop up. You can follow us online if you'd like at Plant Advice on Twitter or on facebook.com slash plantadvice where we've got lots of photos of the show gardens and we'll put some up from our garden as well soon, won't we? Definitely. We'll wait until it's a sunny day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take some pictures. How about putting some photos up of your glorious hanging baskets yes i can do that as we can well dig out some photos from past years and we can show how things are doing at the moment okay. because you put so much love and attention into them at the moment everyone's commenting on them as well yeah it's quite quite nice because they asked me where i bought them <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. of course i have to gloat and go no i made them actually what you should do you should be proud because mm-hmm. they do look beautiful and Elizabeth and Gary and Julie will get shot if they're not in pristine order <laughs> I know, when I think we get they're back nervous from holiday. To look after them for yes. me. 
<laughs> it's going to be in national news. <laughs> Mass genocide. <laughs> oh dear, never mind. <laughs> well, that is all for this episode. Thank you ever so much for listening, and I hope you'll listen again next month. Until then, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And don't forget, enjoy your garden. This is the best time of year for it. This podcast was brought to you by plantadvice.co.uk for all your gardening needs.